Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Hello, welcome to the Wobizzle podcast for female freelancers and solopreneurs. I'm Michelle. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to help you thrive in a career where you set the terms. Let's get started. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, Get Off to a Fabulous Start in 2021. I'm so ready for 2021. I think everybody is ready for 2020 to be over. Yeah, behind us. It's going to be fabulous. Yes. So it's October when we're recording this and 2021 may still seem like it's a ways away, but it's it's fourth quarter. It's not too early to be to be thinking about 2021, thinking about ways that you want to implement maybe new strategies in your business, get yourself off to a, a solid start, a profitable start in the new year. Right. Well, and I think that starting a quarter ahead is a great way to look. I mean, we always need to be planning ahead. Where's our next meal coming from? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what we are seeing is that the freelance market is actually hot right now. And a lot of it, I think, is COVID related, that businesses have maybe had to figure out how to get things done. If they've had to downsize, Mm -hmm. they're having to figure out how to still get the work done. And a lot of that, I think, is 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 taking the form of hiring freelancers. Well, that's what happened in 2008. Mm-hmm. I stayed busier in 2008 and 2009 than I had been in my career to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's because a lot of companies still needed the work done, but they couldn't risk run the risk of hiring a full-time employee and paying their taxes and their insurance and their real estate. Mm-hmm. And so freelancing really was strong during the recession. And I know this year, well, just in the last few days, that essentially my the rest of my year is booked out. Good for so, you. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I'm I'm booked out. I'm booked solid through the through the end of the year. Nice. We'll call that a win. Too bad I can't take you out for margarita and taco. <laughs> Definitely. So I think <laughs> I think the um I think the work's there. I think I think it's out there. I think there's an increase. I actually it's not just I think the stitch blah. The statistics are showing it as well. There has been an uptick in uh, the number of businesses looking for freelance labor. So there is uh, there is definitely some uh, solid facts and figures to support what we th- believe, which is always important that you have facts and figures to support right. what you believe. So we thought we'd pull together some strategies to help you start thinking ahead for 2021 and what you could be doing to grow your business and get yourself back on solid footing if you've you've suffered at all from any type of pause in the need for your services, that type of thing. Or if you're now freelancer and it's not necessarily by choice. I mean, a lot of people are hustling Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways and maybe they didn't intend to become freelancers, but they have a skill set. And it's time to get it, you know, get it marketed. Mm-hmm. The first step I really feel like everyone should think about is just kind of that evaluating your skills. Sometimes you have to kind of switch gears a little bit and go where 
the work is or go where the market is the best for your right. for your skill set. I think it's a really important thing for freelancers, no matter how long they've been doing it, is every once in a while to st- take a step back and evaluate your skills. Think about what's been working very well for you up to this point. And we always like to call it, what's your money making best? Right. So what I what I think is a kind of a good practice is just looking back at your client work history. And you may want to do that for not just this year, but for the past few years and kind mm-hmm. of evaluate that. Where are you, where are you making the most money? Where where seems to be your sweet spot? Also consider with all of the COVID stuff, there may be another sweet spot opening up. Right. And also where are you the most passionate about your work? Because we all have projects that we're like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Yeah. You know, I mean, that you that are so exciting and you're just all in, that momentum translates well to your finished product. Yes. And so yes. that really weighs in on the money making best, I think. Oh, for sure. And I think so often we get just so caught up in the actual day-to-day work, you know, the mm-hmm. just the doing of the things. The task. Check, check. Yes, that we kind of don't really take the time to evaluate and analyze where we've, where our money's been coming from. Mm-hmm. And there are clients, I'll go back, especially at tax time, when I go back into my software program to kind of take a look at, you know, where, you know, who I was invoicing, how much, et cetera, et cetera. And just kind of taking a look at all of that for, as I'm prepping for taxes, sometimes I'll forget, like, oh, I forgot that I did that, you know, because it's right. been over a year, you know? And uh, so it is kind of interesting to review your client history and your project history and reflect on it and just consider, yeah, where did you, where did you make the most money? Where did you have the most earning potential? And also where, like to your point, Melissa, where did you have the most fun? Yeah. Because you've got to love it. I mean, sometimes you let me clarify that. You've got to love it most of the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're not going to love it, but it makes you a lot of money. And we all have bills. I get that. When I used to work a day, a day J-O-B, a day job. Oh, the J-O-B. Um, I had a couple of them over the years that I would, I would refer to my commute to work as skipping to work, you know, because I did have some jobs that I really loved that I really enjoyed. And I would say, I can't believe they pay me to do this. I skip to work every day. Right. So that's kind of the, those are the clients that you want to, those are the projects and the clients that you really want to seek out. The ones that are going to make you skip back to your desk every day and be super excited about getting started. And those are not, you're not going to get those hundred percent. Well, maybe you will, but you're probably not likely to get a hundred percent of your client load that uh, reflects that. But if you can really try to just focus your efforts on that kind of that type of client, it's just going to bring you a lot more enjoyment to your day to day. Well, and on the opposite end of that, you also need to look at the clients that ended up being more trouble than they were worth or the projects that were you know, went severely over time or scope creep or all of the things about the projects that you'd never want to do again. Remember that there's a reason you never want to do that again. So weigh that in when you get approached again and they're like, Hey, we need this or we need that. Is it worth it? Because that can impact your money making best too. That's your money making worst. Absolutely. That kind of brings up kind of the second good point, you know, first is evaluate your skills, but second, identify that ideal client. Right. And 
Yeah, you can, the soul sucking work, the less than ideal, we've all, all had the less than ideal client, you know, they pay the least, they expect the most mm-hmm. soul sucking projects, but you do take them on sometimes because you have to, because they pay the bills. But if you're able to kind of take a step back right now and looking at next year, you can kind of think about how can I attract more of those those folks that I really want to work with, that I'm really excited about what they're doing, and I'm really excited about my potential contribution to what they're doing. Right. And if you have an ideal client in mind, you can seek out more of the same. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's a you know an, a niche or a mm-hmm. certain industry that you do really well at, or if it's a certain you know, maybe you're great with TV or radio scripts, or maybe you're great with website copy, or maybe you're a great graphic designer in this niche or in that one. Seek out more people in that niche and just at least look for an introduction. Get your name in front of them. Yeah. And it it ties back into kind of the money making best. So you kind of, there's kind of a simple formula for identifying that ideal client, you know, consider that work that you enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Also consider that work that seems to bring you, drive you, uh, drive the most revenue to you, the the best revenue source. And then think about those clients that you enjoy working with and connect right. those dots. And that will kind of make it very obvious the types of work that you need to try to attract and that you need to actually maybe even um, assertively go after. Right. And that's where the network comes in. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's worth kind of spending a little bit of time with that and, you know, kind of creating a profile. I want to work in this niche and I want to work with this type of client. Right. And I want to do this type of work. Well, you can take that a step further and build your portfolio around that. If you have clips in a certain niche or industry, and that's what you want more of the same, highlight that in your portfolio, put that message out first. Yes. Yeah, that's so important. So a lot of us tend to have portfolios portfolios that are very diverse. We've done a lot of different projects over the mm-hmm. years. When you go to let a, a potential client know, here's here's my, my uh, I'm having a really hard time. It's the end of the day and I'm having a really hard time <laughs> communicating my thoughts. Wait, did you spend the day doing your money making bust? I, no, I was juggling. I was juggling kittens today. I was, oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I had all kinds of I had all kinds of things going on. But so my point is when you go when uh you're presenting a portfolio to a potential client, it's really good to have your portfolio organized in those based on those niches so that you can show them the types of things that you're really good at that apply to them. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, especially even I never thought about that, but showcasing it on the front end before they ever call you. So it's not right. just after they've called you, you want to show them Oh, here's what I can do. Right. That's in your in your, you know, orbit, but being able to on your LinkedIn profile or on your website showcasing the actual work you're trying to attract. That's a great right. idea, Melissa. You're well, full of great ideas. <laughs> I don't know, it's the end of the day and I too have been juggling. I wasn't <laughs> juggling cats, I was uh, spinning plates. But <laughs> I think it's a great idea because you're putting yourself out there. You're obviously looking for introductions, connections. You might be cold emailing or cold calling when they decide to look you up, which they might look you up before they reach out or respond. You want, I think it's just a great way to put your best foot forward. And if you're really concentrating on a certain niche or industry, highlight it. 
Yeah, that's very law of attraction of you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But it's true. I mean, create the world we want to live in, you know? Yes. Yes. So once you've done all that, I would say third step is, is to get it out there. So you mentioned, you know, putting it, pulling together a portfolio so that it actually does get discovered. Mm -hmm. And there are people are, I, I, I know for a fact that people are searching on LinkedIn right now for freelancers because I can get into my profile. I have freelance in my profile description and I have seen the keywords that people, when people find me, the keywords that they're using to find me and freelance is one of them. So people are looking for freelancers and, you know, it's get discovered, get your, get your portfolio out there, polish it up. If you, if you haven't polished it for a while, it's time, it's getting a little dull. Guilty, it up. guilty. Mine's very out of date. But also get active, send some connection requests, get get active on social media. We I I highly recommend LinkedIn because I think it's you're going to connect, you're gonna have more of a direct line with potential clients if you're if you serve a business audience. So there may be some of you that that serve or freelancers that serve a uh, consumer audience. So maybe you're a massage therapist or uh acupuncturist or someone in, in kind of that type of hairstylist, someone in that type of field that's direct to consumer. Yeah. So you're going to, you may see a lot of value in Facebook and Instagram and some other places, but if you're serving a business audience, you have to be on LinkedIn. You really do. And it's the right now in the middle of COVID when we are all not necessarily locked down, but limited. I mean, there aren't the the chamber events might not be happening with the same frequency or the, you know, happy hours on Thursday at such and such. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is the best place to start networking. I mean, you can, if you want to connect with someone and you're not directly connected with them, you might have a friend that is, you, you could ask for an introduction. I mean, it's really, it's like having the best of the networking right in your house. You don't have to leave. You don't have to get dressed. You don't have to make small talk. I mean, it's very direct. It's very mindful and Mm -hmm. it's very intentional. You don't have to wear shoes. You don't have to wear shoes. But, you know, on a side note, I went four days in a row without wearing shoes and I ended up feeling like I had the flu. So (laughs) I didn't have the flu. I wasn't even actually sick at all. I just felt so. And so last night I was like, what is wrong with me? You know, and you do the COVID checklist in your mind. No, it isn't that. It's the fact I haven't worn shoes for four days. So today I dressed like I was going somewhere, even though I wasn't. (laughs) And I got so much more done because I've got on a pair of shoes. (laughs) That's amazing to me. (laughs) I I do have flip-flops on right now, but only because I just my feet were just a little bit cold. And I know flip flops are probably not the best choice when your feet are cold, but they were just a little bit cold. So I just needed a little layer between my feet and the floor. Well, I'm not being uppity. I'm wearing a pair of Birkenstocks. It's not like I've got on my, my leather the, heels and I'm headed out the door. But the bar is low for wearing the bar shoes. Is low. But yesterday I had on a pair of socks. So, you know, it's progress. Yes, for sure. So if you like networking in your flip-flops, LinkedIn is for you. <laughs> they should use that as a promotional line. <laughs> they should. It's so true. If you're, you know, if you're if you've got on your Zoom worthy top but you're wearing yoga pants and flip-flops, LinkedIn is for you. So kind of the point is that you can't just pull together this awesome portfolio that attracts your 
that you feel like is going to attract your ideal audience and then post it maybe on your website or post it to your LinkedIn profile and then just be sad that no one ever comes to see it. It's not the field of dreams. Right? So yes, you have to you have to <laughs> go to a little effort. A bit right there. You have to go to a little effort. So you have to interact a little bit. You have to send some connection requests, uh, post some things, you know, just kind of kind of keep that active. And we're actually going to uh, have a social media, our social media guru, uh, come on in a couple of weeks and talk about kind of the minimalist plan for staying active on social, social and I media. I love that, the minimalist plan. Yeah, Please. so look forward to that. That'll be here in a, in a few weeks. So. That's marketing and flip-flops right there. That's what it yes. is. <laughs> so when you're posting, uh, when you get up, get up on your social media, you've got your portfolio in the places where you can uh, direct people back to it. It's, it's okay to post a plug now and then you don't want to be constantly pushing out a message of self promotion, what I call right. shameless, shameless self promotion. Because it's um, exhausting. It is exhausting. It's exhausting, not only for you, it's a very exhausting for the people that are on the other end of it. Right. So the kind of the not so secret formula on social media is the 80 20 rule. So 80% of what you post should be not promotional. So maybe it's helpful information, expert tips, sharing. News, that's a big deal right now. Things happening. Yes. In the sharing information that you come across that you might think would be helpful to your ideal client. You know, basically 80% of your posts should be engaging content that's not salesy. Right. And then the other 20%, you can post a plug for yourself every once in a while. Because if you start, if you overstep that and you're just self-promotion, self-promotion, the algorithm will start to work against you because people are going to quit responding if they're still following you at all. You know, it's like, ah, there's the realtor again or whatever. You've Mm -hmm. got to be, you've got to participate fully in the platform. Yes. And that can be a struggle, I think, for, you know, like for for us, for example. So for a freelance writer may struggle with what kind of content am I supposed to be putting out there? I have no idea what to do. Uh, But you could just be articles that you come across that are helpful to you that might be helpful to a potential client. Maybe it's an article that you write on your website or through LinkedIn's blog publishing platform about the three best ways to attract attention in a headline, the right Right. kind of attention. (laughs) Exactly. Or, yeah, or just something that you've come across. Like for me, a video producer, there's so many tips. You know, if you're trying to do a video with your smartphone, here's here's a way to make it easier. Did you know you can edit the beginning and end off of your clip in your phone before you mm-hmm. ever export it? Things like that. There's all kinds of stuff like that that I could be doing as a video producer that you can just apply the same kind of idea to whatever it is that you're doing. Well, so it's a perfect way to expert positioning. I mean, you're positioning yourself as an expert by sharing those tips, mm-hmm. regardless of what, you know, whether you're a video producer, a copywriter, a photographer, whatever you are, this is your platform to establish your expertise by sharing other news and tips and everything else. And it's also an opportunity for you to, you know, exhibit expertise in your niche. You can Mm -hmm. share industry specific or niche specific news. Mm -hmm. 
Because then you're not only writing in that niche, you know that niche, you can own it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the, on the expert tips, sometimes it can be difficult for people to wrap their head around the fact that, well, if I tell them how to do it, then they're not going to call me. Oh, they're going to call. Yeah. They're going to call. Here's the thing. (laughs) You know, if they, if they have to use your expert tips, one or one of two things is going to happen. First of all, they were never going to call you to begin with. So they're just going to go off and continue to try to do it themselves. Right. Or second, they're going to realize that they can't possibly do it themselves and they're going to call you. And that's the one you want right there. Yes. You don't want the other person. You don't want to keep trying to market to the other person. But so, so something to think about, like if you're trying to figure out, okay, how does this apply to me and what I do? Think about if your client had to do what you would do for them, if they had, if they absolutely had to do it themselves, what, what advice, what tips could you give them so that their version of what you would do for them won't completely suck? Right. They're still, it's not going to hurt. The people that are going to try to do it themselves forever we're never going to call you to begin with. So don't worry about them. Now they don't have the budget or they think they can do it themselves. And or then they're there's just also crazy. that client in the middle, which is always kind of difficult. The one that wouldn't do it themselves, but they just don't have the time. And mm-hmm. as a writer, I've come across so many would-be professionals that just simply didn't have the time, but they all took English in high school. And it's like, it's not the same thing. Like <laughs> I do it myself, but I don't have the time. And that's a difficult client to work for. Yes, that is. That is. But yeah, you're looking for the person that that sees that you're offering value and they might try to use your tip, but then they might realize, you know, I really don't know what I need to know about this. I need to call in a professional. Or six months down the line, they're going to run into it to where they need that tip and they think, ah, oh, Michelle West had that. Let me, let me see what I can find out about her. I mean, yes. Because these things, the responses on these posts and these reaches it's not an instant response. It's something that might happen two months down the road, six months down the road. That's why it's important to start thinking about next year now. Yes. Yeah. And you're building, you're basically building your visibility. And so a lot of the people that are seeing it might never ever consider, I'll use the graphic designer as a, as a example. So they may never consider trying to do their own graphic design, but the fact that you're showing up in their feed with helpful tips for people who are trying to do it themselves, Mm -hmm. that makes them, that makes you a warm, that makes them a warm lead for you. That makes them, you've already kind of, they feel like they've already, they're already connected with you at some level because you're giving to them. Even if it's something they don't necessarily need or want, it says, Oh, well, this person is, looks like they might be easy to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of sets the stage, sets you up as an expert. It also sets you up kind of uh, gives you visibility in front of them and makes makes you kind of top of, top of mind with them. Right. And that's important, staying on top of mind. I mean, one way we could do that is just to reach out and say hi. And I mean, that depends on your relationship with your client. One way that I like to do it is to stay top of mind. I have a really specific Google news feed. And a lot of it is tied into the kind of work that I do for my clients, just because that's what I'm usually Googling. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if I see an article that comes up or news or industry change or whatever, I will email the article to my client and I'll say, Mm -hmm. Hey, saw this this morning and thought of you. Hope all is well. Best Melissa. 
Mm-hmm. And boom, I'm at top of the line again. And I've given them something. I haven't asked them for work. I haven't said, hey, how's it going? I've been like, saw this and thought of you. And it results in work. That's, that's your super ninja secret tip of the day. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> one. Yeah, because, you know, some of your most powerful promotional tools are your existing clients or your past clients. Right. And the people well, in your network, so people you already sources. know. Mm-hmm. So they may not have anything, but they may have just had a conversation with someone else in their organization or someone that they're just connected to from a net- networking standpoint. It could be a vendor. It could be a client of theirs that needs your help. Right. And you've just placed yourself top of mind. Right. So in a goodwill way. I mean, you're just exhibiting goodwill. Saw this, thought of you. Hope all is well. Another great thing to do is to keep... If you, especially if you're working with a lot of folks locally or you have a strong local network, keep up to date on if you have a local business journal or the business section of your local newspaper, as old school as this sounds. But they often, you know, they're going to have news about your business community. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there'll be awards and recognitions in there. And if you know somebody and you see that they've been, you know, they won an award or they have a work anniversary or something like that, something that's either made news online or in print meant, you know, that's the time to reach out to them and say, Hey, I saw this great news. Congratulations on your 50th anniversary for your company or on your promotion, or you've switched jobs. You know, these are all opportunities for you to reach out to people. And LinkedIn is a good, going back to LinkedIn, LinkedIn will let you know when people have work anniversaries, they'll let you know when people have birthdays, They'll let you know when people change jobs, when things happen in their profiles. And so that's a great opportunity to reach out. And if you actually have their personal, their digits, their phone number or their email address, I would go off platform and send a personal email. I can say this has worked for me in the past. I followed a marketing director through three different organizations and Mm -hmm. the second time, well, the first time I followed him, you know, to organization number two. I knew that he had made the shift, got his new email address, sent him an mm-hmm. email, congratulated him. Mm-hmm. And I got work. Yes. And they, they'll remember that you did this and, you know, and you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not emailing them saying, Hey, congratulations on your new job. I hope you won't forget about me because, you know, I could do some great work for you. Don't do that. Just right. I hope your just, budget's still the same because I'm standing by, you know. Give them their moment, you know, give them right. their moment and don't ask for anything in return. Congratulate them. You could spend five minutes on LinkedIn. We say five minutes a day, five minutes, five things. You could spend five minutes on LinkedIn a day. You could spend five minutes on LinkedIn a week and just go to the the people that, you're trying to connect with or people that are are great sources for you and just like comment, share things that they're, that they're doing. So don't Mm -hmm. go overboard because a little goes a long way. No, no, no. I mean, you're just wishing them well. You're Mm -hmm. just setting the stage. This is all, there's many, many steps. I mean, yeah, don't go overboard. Just be very, play it cool. If they, if the people that you're liking, commenting and sharing their content, if they know anything about it, they know that what you're doing is helping their posts gain more, more visibility, mm-hmm. but it's also just making them feel good. We all want to be recognized, right? right. So we all want to be uh, affirmed for something we put out there. So Especially they put out in terms of social media. Yeah. So they put out an article, maybe they wrote it, maybe they're just sharing it. But when you click like and say, Hey, great article, 
you know, I didn't know X, Y, Z. Go ahead and please read the article before you right. comment on the content of it. Because but sometimes not, it's not a great article. I mean, really, if you're going to put your name on it. You sometimes the headline's the best thing and right. you don't. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you give them some genuine feedback, they're going to remember that. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to bring you to the forefront of their minds, at least at that moment. And well, it's going to plant a seed for later. And let's just talk about this for a second. You and I were professionally connected way before we became friends. Yes. Way before Mm -hmm. we hung out together. Mm -hmm. And because we knew about each other's reputation. Mm -hmm. It's true. And that was just all very casual, very referral sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it started with steps like this. Yes, it did. It did those personal referrals. So that's that person that you're, you're connecting with, maybe they're going to connect you with someone else, right? Or maybe they're going to circle back and say, Hey, I need your help with something. So it's all relationships have resulted in more work for me than anything. Oh, yeah. It's all we call it money in the bank. It's Mm -hmm. money in the bank. So Mm -hmm. you're you're making a a small deposit of goodwill. And you will be it's going to grow. It's going to collect some interest and it's going to come back to you. You're going to be able to withdraw that at some point. Exactly. Uh, I'd say another thing that you need to be thinking about, and I'm going to harp on it. I harp on it all the time, but in preparing yourself for 2021 is money. You do harp on it. Yes. You're very good at it. And and you help a lot of people by harping on it. So I'm not saying this in a bad way. You've, You've led me to raise my rates twice. I'm going to keep harping on it because people need to raise the rates. I read an article just yesterday that said there, I can't remember what the percentage was, but it was, it was a ridiculous percentage. I think it was over 40% of freelancers charge less than like $15 an hour or something oh. like that. It's oh, like what? You go to Starbucks and make more get insurance. I mean, that's I'm going yeah, to have to find that information. It came from a blog that's published in the UK, so it may not be, it may not apply here to the US. But I'm going to I'm going to find that information oh, and I'll have it ready for the next podcast. That just hurts Yes. So look, okay, your rate. You've got to. You have to know going into 2021 that you are charging enough. If, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, then I want that to be the, your takeaway is that you need to know that you're charging enough. Exactly. And so we have a whole other podcast. You can go back a couple seasons. I think our first season, a couple seasons. Like, we, <laughs> like This is our second season, Michelle. Did I say that out loud? I'm talking to I missed to something. I missed the season. Anyway, go Thank ahead. You. you can go back to our first season. You can find it where you found this. And... We did, we did, uh, we did an episode on money and, uh, and setting your rates. So you need to know before you enter 2021 that you are charging enough. So consider if your hourly rate is in line with your skills, your experience, there's a whole lot of information out there about, you know, how you, how you pull that together. But if you haven't, uh, if you haven't done that, if you haven't, if you've just kind of arbitrarily set your rate you need to give that some thought. You need to find out from what other people in your market are are charging. If you can't get that information, then there's a whole lot of resources online where you can search, how much should I charge for freelance, blah, blah, blah. 
and start coming coming up with something. And if you're doing a lot of local work, talk to other writers or photographers or other industry peers in your community. What are they charging? What are they getting? Yes. Yeah. What you get in LA is not what you're going to get in Missouri. Right. You want it to be market specific if you're doing a lot of work locally, but if you're not, you have the ability to expand on that. So if you're doing a lot of, like a lot of my clients are West coast. Mm-hmm. So I can charge a different rate. Dollar, than, dollar. <laughs> exactly. Dollar, 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 dollar. But uh, so definitely you, you need to spend some time on that. You need to take, take a couple of hours, do some research and figure it out. You can, you don't have to block out a couple of hours, just take some time over the next couple of months and start reevaluating that. Also. Well, let me add something to it. Uh-huh. Once you determine your rate, you need to own it. Yes. I had a conversation with a designer a couple of weeks ago about a project. And mm-hmm. then I get down to the part and I say, what is your, what is your rate? Uh-huh. And she started being very wishy-washy. Well, I charge this, but if, and I said, no buts. Yes. No you buts. Can't, yeah. There is no discount for volume work. I mean, sure there can be, and I've given it, but each of those situations needs to be entered into independently. If you somebody don't asks you your rate or what the project is going to cost, say it and own it. Yes. You don't lead with the discount. No, <laughs> this and is not. Discount and I mean, really <sighs> discount. The only times I've offered a discount is if I've been asked, if I give you this, you know, X, Y, Z, will you reduce your rate by 5%? Right. X, Y, Z is worth the 5%. Heck yeah, I'll reduce it or even 10%. You know, let's talk about it. But I've never offered it. I've only been asked. And it is asked a lot. And sometimes it's just insulting. Yes. It it is funny that you had that conversation. You said that you had that conversation last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I had a conversation just late last week with someone who's a writer. And I said, what's your rate? And actually, now that I think about it, everybody's, everybody's leading with a discount. I had another conversation with somebody a few weeks ago about voiceover work. And it was, these were both dudes, which surprises me because dudes are usually all about like, this is how much it is. That's what it's going to be. But maybe (laughs) it's a freelancer phenomenon, but both people had, they had like different scales. They had, well, you know, it kind of depends. And, you know, I've done things from this price to this price and, but I can work within your budget and blah, blah, blah. Just set a price and tell me what it is. Because if you tell me that you'll write a blog post for $25 when I'm expecting 250. You just cut yourself out of it. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you do it for 25, but right. But not everybody everybody is like us. I'm still going to take the discount because I'll be like, oh, how about 100? Will 100 work? But seriously, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, you've got to stop it. Yes, you have to own your rate. The first time I had to blurt my rate out of my mouth, I was so scared. And I said it. And I said it, I guess I said it with confidence. And the person at the other end of the table was like, okay. The first time you had me raise my rate, you were with me when somebody asked me my rate and I just shot out my new amount and I was all sweaty. I was like, oh my gosh. And she was like, great. And then in the car, you were like, ha ha, ha ha. I was so proud of you. (laughs) 
so proud of you. Yes. And I just actually just raised mine uh, officially. And that's the thing too. You've got to give yourself a raise. Think about it. if you've been doing this for a while, when was the last time you gave yourself a raise? Ask yourself that because the living has gone up. I promise you need to be raising your rates at minimum every year. Mm -hmm. And if you're really super busy, if you have too much on your plate, you have too many people calling you, then raise it again because you need to, if you're, if you're working, we had that conversation. Uh, if you are working your butt off at let's just say $50 an hour, imagine how better your life would be if you were charging $60 an hour, <laughs> you wouldn't have to work your butt off right? or 75. Well, you're buying time then. You're buying time that you can either A, take on another project or B, take time away from the desk. Yes. So definitely put it, promise me this, everybody promise, promise us this, that you are going to evaluate your rate and make sure it's where it should be. And regardless of what you come come up with, if you're like, okay, it's where it should be at the beginning of the year, you're going to raise your rate. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can raise it a couple bucks. You can raise it a percentage. I would say at least, don't you think like at least three or 4% every year? Yeah. I mean, you're talking to me. I was terrible about it. But here's the thing. Get comfortable with it. I know it's super, super, super uncomfortable to look at your rates and think about raising them and everything else and think, gosh, $65 an hour is a lot. No, it isn't. If you worked in-house for a company and they were paying your real estate mm-hmm. and they were getting your computer and all the programs that you need and they were paying your taxes, your mm-hmm. you know, payroll taxes and your health insurance and your retirement, it's going to equal more than what you're charging them for 10 hours for a project. Way yes. more. And they are prepared to pay that. If yeah, you're giving if, it away for $15 an hour, please stop. Yes. And if they if they aren't prepared to pay it, then they're not you your ideal work client. With them anyway. No. Right. Exactly. Because what, what have we learned? Nickel and dimes, you will drive you crazy. Exactly. We have learned that the people who pay the least require the most. Uh-huh. And that's just wrong. But you work for a big organization, somebody who's used to this, and it's a dream. I mean, not always, mm-hmm. but it sure can't be. Oh. Another thing you need to think about when we're talking about money is, are you tracking your time meticulously to make sure oh, you're yeah. not leaving yeah. money on the table? Because I, I catch myself even these days, and I've got all the tools I need to do what I do, but you know, you've got to be able to hit that timer, and you got to be able to turn off that timer, and you've got to track the time. Do not do. leave- do not leave hours unaccounted for. Well, and I was super bad about that before I switched to an app-based time tracker. I think, okay, it's 3.15. Now I'm starting, you know, but mm-hmm. that's so ineffective. And now I just hit it when I get up from my desk. I'm at my desk. I'm off my, you know, whatever. Yes. Uh, and the app you're referring to, I assume, is Harvest. Yes. Yeah. I will uh, say that Harvest is not a sponsor. They are not a sponsor. for them to be. We would love for them to be a sponsor <laughs> because we both use it. We love it. I I was introduced to it by a client who used it, uh, runs an agency and uses it not only for her internal team to track uh, projects and you know what they're spending, but also her external team. So it's super handy and I love it. Yeah. I was referred to it years ago by a friend. Uh, a freelancer and man, I've got it on my computer. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my iPad, wherever I'm at, if it's billable, that timer is running. So yeah, what 
you know, invest, you can invest what it's like 12 bucks a month. Or if you don't want to invest the 12 bucks a month, you know, use your timer on your phone, but just make sure Harvest. if you don't have multiple clients, they have a free version. I think. Oh, do they? Oh, I pay, I pay the 12 bucks a month. But the cool thing about it is not only can you go back and look at your, you can run reports and that can help you Mm -hmm. right now when you're looking to forecast for the year ahead. Like how Mm -hmm. much time did you spend working in 2020? What, what did your first quarter look like? What do you want your first quarter to look like next year? What did you bill in 2017? Oh, it's there too. I mean, it's a great forecasting tool. It is. And it could also help you do what we talked about doing at the beginning was finding your money making best. Right. You can take a look back at the year, run a report, take a look back at the year and determine you know who your biggest client was, mm-hmm. what kind of work you were doing, that type of stuff. And it could also make you realize if it was time for a raise. So you go back and you look at last year's last year's dollar amount and then you, and the hours, cause it'll break it down by how many hours you worked. Mm-hmm. And then you could multiply that number of hours by $5 more than your hourly rate. And you could see what money you're leaving on the table. Right. <laughs> it's true. I've done that. And it's just like, Oh, if you were charging just $5 more. That's what you had me doing when you were pushing me to raise my rate. You were like, just pretend that you were charging $10 more. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> I feel like you have to give work away for $25 or $20 an hour to build your portfolio. I ask you to rethink that. Like, If you're going to give it away, find a cause mm-hmm. or an organization or something that you're passionate about and give it to them. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way. Donate it. That's a great tip. Yeah. If you're, yeah, find, you know, if you're, if you're on a nonprofit board or maybe you're not on a board, but you just care a lot about a food pantry or environmental cause, right? uh, Then, then yeah. If you're, if you feel like you need to build your portfolio, then go do that. They're going to be so happy to get you. That's what I did, you know, because my portfolio was primarily, primarily journalism because that's where I started and that's where I spent most of my time. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I started moving more into the public relations, copywriting sort of space, a lot of it was donated and it was boards that I already served on and organizations I was already part of. But they knew I was a writer and they were like, do our newsletter. We need a press release. You know, and I, I kept those as clips. Mm-hmm. One, one thing that, that uh, freelancers struggle with a lot is getting paid on time. See, you read my mind. I'm Did I? talk about the same thing. <laughs> go right ahead. No, go for it. Well, I think it's important to look at things like adding late fees to invoices and requiring a percentage up front. I mean, when did you start requiring a percentage up front before starting? I started requiring your percentage up front after I got burned pretty badly a couple months into freelancing. And I think I've referred to this in past episodes, but I got uh, a couple thousand dollars of, of work, a client. I was, I was knee deep in it. It was moving so fast. It was a startup. And at first they just needed one small thing. So I thought it's a couple hundred bucks. I don't really need to get a percentage up front. Next thing I know, this thing is snowballing and within 10 days to two weeks, I'm doing tons of stuff for them. I'm pushing off other projects Ooh. to get their stuff done. And about a thousand, a couple thousand dollars in, I can't remember what the exact amount was, but I want to say it was around $3,000 of work in. 
uh, they emailed me. I just had a chance to invoice them and they emailed and said, we're not going to be able to pay this. And I was grateful in that they told me up front, they weren't going to be able to pay it because that saved me weeks and weeks and weeks. I now know of chase trying to chase people down. Right. So I was grateful for that, but I was not grateful for the fact that they weren't going to be able to pay it. Exactly. Because and, you've got bills. I mean, you, we're not doing this for fun. Yeah. And Sometimes so we, we kind of went back and forth on trying to find a solution, but like I said, they were a startup and they were, they were in the tech industry and they'd just blown their money. I mean, they'd blown it on on development and you know they just it, things were moving so quickly that they were spending money spending money spending money and then they realized they didn't have that you know they didn't have what they needed to so they ended up folding going out of business but uh i just instead of you know i could have tried small claims but they were in another state they were actually out in the pacific northwest they were far far away it would have been just a hassle there's not really a good option for collections for for freelancers because most places won't won't take things under probably a thousand bucks is the absolute lowest threshold, right. and then they're going to take sixty percent of it. So you know, are you going to go through all that to? So I just took it as a lesson. I just swallowed the the medicine and said, "This is a lesson, and I need to protect myself in the future." And so that's when I started doing a percentage. And it varies depending on the project, and it also depends on the client. So if it's a client that I work with on a regular basis, I really don't require, like if I'm invoicing them several times a year, I don't require it up front um, unless like it's going to be a big hairy thing. And I know I'm going to have a lot of hours in before I get to an invoicing milestone. But so I have different kind of different policies for different different projects and different clients. Right. And if it's, if it's a hundred, you know, if it's, if it's under $500, I may not too, just because it's kind yeah, of Yeah, I like, don't do it for the little ones. I mean, the smaller projects, yeah, but if it's but, a $3,000 project and it's a client I've never worked for, I'm going to require a percentage. Yes. And I've gotten to the point where I do it again, it depends, but I'll either do 50% up front, 50% at the end. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'll do a third, a third, a third. So depending on how long, how much time I'm going to be spending on it. And I'll tell you something too. I've, I have started, I had one client, it was not a huge project, but they, I think I started them out a third, a third, a third, and, and they were slow to pay the second and third payment. And so when they called me back about a year later to do some stuff, I was like, it's going to be 50, 50 this time <laughs> because I just, I'm like, I don't want to have to chase it down. And I, you know, it's, it's, you just have to protect yourself. And it, it can be a weird conversation to have because I think, I think a lot of places, if they've worked with freelancers in the past, they, they understand how it works. They understand that you will want to deposit, but some folks don't understand that. So it can be kind of a weird conversation to have and imagine it's kind of weird on their end if they don't know you that well. And you're saying, you know, I need half my money now. Uh, but they don't know, they don't know you or your track record or et cetera, et cetera, for producing. So it can be kind of weird, but, but yeah, you've got to protect yourself. So. 
Yeah, and it's a it's a it's always a bummer when it happens, but I think that that's one of the best things that we can do to get ready for next year is just really look at your policies and processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, setting kind of some standard operating procedures if you don't have them are are going to be are going to really set you up for success. You know, and your higher quality clients are going to understand. So they're going to understand, they're going to respect and they're even going to expect that they you will require a deposit. And so whether you decide that that's 20% and or milestones throughout the project, you kind of have to figure out what's right for you. And it might vary depending on the project. Like I have a regular client I work with and I do writing for him and I don't charge anything up front, but I charge 50% after the first draft is turned in mm-hmm. and then the other 50 at the end. And occasionally if it's a really big project, I'll do I'll I'll split it three into three sections. So it just kind of depends. I kind of use my best judgment on it. Um, but it also helps me, it helps me stay motivated. Like if I got a hundred percent upfront. <laughs> you want that last check is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I need, I need to, I need the last check. I mean, I'm very self-motivated, but it would be, I think it would be sure easy to procrastinate if you got, if you got paid up front for everything. Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I've been burned a few times. So on the one hand, I think, boy, that'd be sweet. Like I might not cash the check until I was done with the project. I might have some mental delay there, but it'd be nice to have it in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could also make me lazy. I'd be like, eh, they'll wait. I'll get it to it's a Monday. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing. I know some folks that work in kind of personal care services and they kind of feel the same way about gift, gift certificates. certificates. Yeah. They get paid before long, sometimes long before the service Christmas, ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it can kind of be disheartening to them when they got, you know, Everybody coming in to give you another massage. Yeah, or everybody comes in in November before it expires to get there. So your whole November is booked with people who who paid you a year ago. Right. <laughs> yeah, that so, would be difficult. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. So in, in ways, it's it's kind of. I mean, it's not the same, but you can see what I'm saying. It can be kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, I already got paid for it. Now I've got to deliver. And I think different people are motivated for different things, but clearly I think I've just reported to the entire audience that I need that last check. (laughs) (laughs) I like the last check. And a lot of times that's like my bonus money. I, I mean, I depend on the work that I do to make a living, but that last check might go into savings or Mm -hmm. go into my tax account or whatever. The first check might be my house payment. The last check might be gutters or something who knows right. yeah. yeah it's always kind of nice so just kind of to wrap it up if you're trying to set yourself up for a fabulous 2021 and we think you should and we because want 2021 is going to be a good year it just has to be it has <laughs> to be it absolutely has to be so first thing to consider is evaluating your skills taking time now it's not too it's not too early to be thinking about it take some time now to evaluate your skills and figure out what your money making best is, how you want to, how you want to reposition your services and your your skills and experience so that you have that strongest revenue potential. And then next, identifying your ideal client. Right. You know, trying to figure out who you want to work with the most and attracting more of the same. 
and yeah. hopefully you'll you'll have a 2021 that will be free of soul sucking projects. Oh, may 2021 be free of soul sucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> also, you want to do the due diligence to get discovered. Don't just uh don't just sit and wonder why people aren't calling you. You know, you need to do something out there. You need to be doing some type of small scale marketing. Well, and if you did the five minutes, five things on LinkedIn, I mean, if you could just do two or three things a day to market Mm -hmm. your business, whether that's an email, whether that's a connection request, whether that's a, whatever it is, three to five things start now, you will Mm -hmm. book your 2021 up. Yes. I saw a trick uh, in one of the Facebook groups that I'm in. Uh, It's not a trick. It's a tip. (laughs) trick. She's tricked me into getting, you know, <laughs> calling her for work. Uh, no, it was uh, a gal that does freelancing will post. And it's not the only thing you, she posts because again, the 80-20 rule, you want to make sure that you're just not only putting out kind of salesy messages. But when she's got, you know, she's looking ahead at her next quarter, she knows how many projects she can take on in a month. And that's important. You need to know what your bandwidth is and what your capacity right. is. I struggle with that. I, I, I a lot of times ha- t- say yes to more things than I should. Mm-hmm. So understand that's th- that'll be one of my things to have a fabulous 2021 is to understand my bandwidth. Right. But um, she will she will put out if she's if she's looks like she's going to be light in one quarter, she'll put out. Hey, I have an opening in my schedule. Like, so now it's October. I have an opening in my schedule late November. Just wanted to let people be aware in case they need, you know, whatever she does, graphic design or social media management or whatever. I like that. And so it can just be a way, you know, let, if you know anybody that might need my services, let them know that I do have an opening. Also, it kind of presents this kind of idea that you might be in demand. Right. So, which you probably are as a freelancer, you probably are in demand, but it kind of lets people know that, Hey, she's not easy to get into. Mm -hmm. So yeah, do, do your due diligence, do, 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 uh, do what you need to do to stay top of mind with your mm-hmm. existing clients. Make sure you're reaching out to them, whether it be a quick note on social media or even just a like or a comment on one of their posts or, you know, writing an email or now's the time of year. Actually, we encourage people to send out Thanksgiving cards or plan for beginning of the year cards. Because if you send, a lot of people will send holiday cards to their clients. Mm-hmm. And if you're sending things around Christmas, you're going to get stuck in with all of the other things. Right. So you I want like to. I that because I've always been a Christmas card sender, but now right? I think that. So Thanksgiving cards are great. You've got, you still have time to be able to pull that off. Uh, and I like also first of the year. Yeah. Like, hey, I had a great, I, you know, had a great year. And thank you so much for the, you know, the opportunities to work with you in 2020. Looking forward to more opportunities in 2021, mm-hmm. wishing your business success, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something you can do to stay top of mind this time of year and, uh, you know, and just stay out of the, out of the fray. So you're not in with all that, that glut of other holiday mail. Right. 
you're kind of hitting it on the bookend. I like it. it. I'm going to have to rethink this. So staying top of mind, also important. And then the money, the money, 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 money. That's what it's all about. Evaluate your rate. Are you charging enough? Are you tracking your time? Making sure you're not leaving money on the table and then make sure promise us, promise us that you'll give us, give yourself a raise. You deserve it. We know you deserve it. We We don't even know you and we know you deserve it because we We know know that you're not charging enough as it is. Yes. That is a given. That is a given. (laughs) So also put some policies in place to get paid faster. You know, Melissa talked about adding late, late fee terms to invoices, requiring that percentage up front. These are all things to start thinking about implementing into standard operating procedures so that you just, it's just natural. Right. Just automatic. Yes. So then create an action plan. You know, take everything that, that we talked about today and, Start working on an action plan. You don't have to block out a Saturday afternoon to do it. You can if you want, or you can just work on it a few minutes each day. Just take one one piece of it and say, this is this is what I'm going to do to prepare for the new year. Here's one step I'm going to take. And just kind of get it all written out. And um, then you kind of have like a mini business plan for your, right. for your year, which I think too often in businesses like ours, we don't take that step. We don't make that step of, of actually creating a plan. We just kind of go with it and go with the flow. So you would actually have some structure in place to know here are my goals and here's how I hope to achieve them this year. I like it. So, well, that's all we have for you today. We are wishing you, I know it's just October, but we are wishing you an absolutely fabulous 2021 full of ideal clients, your money making best and free of soul sucking work. Yes. That's not too much to ask. And may you also be able to go to places and do things. That's my big hope too. Yes. Places and things. We would love to have tacos together. Oh, yeah. We haven't had tacos together since we were in Arizona in February. It's been oh. too, too long. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your, your listening and, and we would love to hear from you. Definitely. Find more valuable tips at wobizzle.com or join us on Facebook, wobizzle.com or, or ask to join our, women, our group, the Women of Wobizzle. We have a lot of great conversations there. Yes. And if you head over to wobizzle.com, you can sign up to get our weekly move forward Monday tip. It's a marketing and motivation tip that comes into your inbox every week to help you move your business forward. May this be our best year ever. Woohoo! Woohoo!